Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from His letter that He wrote to us. All right, God bless you. Welcome into this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We are ready to hit the ground running today. We're going to do a special study over the beast of Revelation. We're going to pick it up in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. We ask for that understanding and clarity from our Father in Jesus' name. We're going to go ahead and get right into it. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise out of it, rise out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his head the names of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were the feet of a bear, and his mouth the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power, and his seat, and great authority. Now we know that the dragon is the devil. And we understand that from... Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. Verse 9 says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. So that's this dragon that we're talking about. This is Satan on earth. This is the sixth trump. This is that hour of temptation. So, verse 3. And I saw one of the heads, as it were, wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast as it were, wounded to death. doesn't say it was wounded to death, but as it were, meaning it looked like it could have been, but maybe not quite, because, you know, Satan cannot heal. Satan does not give life. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy. But he does that through smoke and mirrors and lies. Verse 4, And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, and who is able to make war with him? Right there, Satan's point just come across hard. Exactly what he wanted to be done. He healed this beast system so that everybody would turn to him and think he was Christ. It says in the book of Daniel that he comes in peacefully and prosperously. He don't come in killing folks. He don't come in with wars. He comes in looking like the lamb slain. Comes in looking just like Christ. And so now the whole world is worshiping him because it looks like he has brought prosperity to everybody, and has ended the wars. So there's the peace and prosperity. Verse 5, And it was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And whenever you have a prophecy in months, that's moons, that's lunar, and it has to do with Satan. Prophecies in days have to do with God. The two witnesses will be here for 1260 days. That's solar. We're children of light, so we're supposed to go by solar. Don't follow into prophecies of the lunar, of of Satan. Verse 6, And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. So this guy is just, everybody will think, oh, well, he's down here just talking God down and saying, well, God's not here and God's not doing that, but he's not going to be doing that. He's going to be saying, I'm God. Follow me. Load right on up. We've got to get you out of here. 
It's because there's this Antichrist coming, and we gotta we gotta load up and pop out of here. You know, if you look around the world, there's a great deception called the rapture right now, the rapture theory. Everybody's going to load up on the wagon and pop out of here. If you're a good, and if you're just a good person, oh, you got it made. But you see this great blasphemy against God. Nowhere in the Bible did God ever say that we're going to leave here before then. We're supposed to stand here and fight. We're warriors. That's what we do. So the blaspheme is saying that he is God. Verse 7, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Now this war that he's going to be making with the saints is a spiritual war. The saints are those that are set aside. They're chosen. They're the elect. And they know what's going on. And they're not going to bow a knee to Satan. So spiritually, he's going to be attacking the saints left and right, day and night. But that's okay. We can handle that. Verse 8, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That word foundation is katakluzo in the Greek, and it means the overthrow. What overthrow would we be talking about? In chapter 12 of this same book, there's an overthrow of the dragon whenever he rebelled against God and he was cast down to the earth. That overthrow is also spoken of in Jeremiah chapter 4, starting about verse 18. And it's that first dashing down that, that had Satan go from the cherubim that covered to the son of perdition. Because at that point, God said, you will turn to ashes from within. Documentation is Ezekiel chapter 28 on that. So those who were chosen then stood for God at that time. They didn't follow Satan. And they weren't just minding their own business. They stood for God, therefore God can trust them. And they were chosen at that point to stand in this age as well. Verse 9, If any man has a ear, let him hear. Now listen up. He that leadeth into, into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now, what's the sword? Whenever Christ came and he was he he showed John, or not John, but the whenever he came to the angel of the church of Pergamos in Revelation chapter two verse twelve, it said that his tongue was a two-edged sword, a sharp two-edged sword. The sword of the Lord is this word. So, what's this war that he's going? If you if you die by the sword then that means if you are spiritually taken captive and you spiritually die because you take that doctrine of Antichrist and believe it to be true, then you just became a Satan worshiper. And at that point, you are spiritually slain by the sword. And the one going into captivity, Satan is going into a, an abyss. And Isaiah chapter 14, I believe, will say that all the people of the world will walk by this pit and look and scowl down at him and say, is this the man that deceived the whole world? That, that guy right there, he's the one? And he's going to be cast down and held in chains for the millennium. Verse 11, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. Oh, he looks like he's got the power. And, and the lamb, so, man, this sounds really good. And he spake as a dragon. There it is. 
Antichrist is coming to deceive. He's coming as Christ. He looks like he's going to have the power. He looks like he's the lamb slain. But if you listen close, it's nothing but deception, lies, smoke and mirrors. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Now, you know, I heard a guy once say that if you look around and everybody can just fall and just basically worship celebrities, rock stars and movie stars and, and even politicians, well then if somebody can snap and lightning hits the ground, how quick do you think they'll worship those folks or that guy? Verse 14, And deceive them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had the power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image of, to the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live. Verse 15, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. All right, now we're still talking spiritually. But now how can Satan give life to something? What is an image? If you look up on most people's walls or up on a top of a dresser, you have a TV. And that TV is an image. Nowadays, if you look at your cell phone, there's an image on there. And it can be an image that's good, that's good teaching, or it can be an image of a beast. Now at this point, you know, they see, you wonder how would the world be delivered up and the, the elect will be delivered up before Satan in that hour of temptation and it'll go around, their trials will be around the world. Well, it don't take long for news to get around the world these days. And you see it in image form on a type of media platform, whatever it may be. Verse 16, and he causes all, and he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Now, what's in your forehead? In your forehead's your mind. So if you're listening to this beast system, this image, and it's constantly pumping out just this jargon of, hey, Christ is here. He's risen. He's back. He's returned. We got to get ready to get out of here. He's saying, you know, if you don't, if you have somebody that don't believe, then send them up. Let's get them out of here. That's why a son will turn on, or, or mother will turn against daughter and father against son and brother against brother. Because somebody in the family might not believe that this is the true Christ, that he's the Antichrist. And the family's just going to go, oh, now, he's really a good person. I love him so much, and he's really, man, he studied the Bible so much. But he just don't get it. He just don't understand that you're Christ. He thinks you're the Antichrist. And so, well, that's all right. Send him down here to me. Let's talk about it. It'll be just fine. And then that's when you're delivered up. And at that time, that's when you allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you. So this mark in the forehead is them taking that testimony or taking that doctrine and believing it. The mark in the hand, what would that be? That would be if you believe this to such an extent that you begin doing the work. You work with your hands. And so you begin spreading this same testimony, the same blasphemy, thinking that it's the true Christ. But you're getting it out there. You're helping to push it. You're helping just as Christ would say, Woe to those who are pregnant 
and give suck to little children. This is the exact same thing. You wasn't talking about women being pregnant or children suckling on their mothers. That is a natural thing. But if the bride, I mean, if the groom has been away for 2,000 years being Christ and he comes back and you're indoctrinated, you're pregnated with a false doctrine, or if you're out there suckling that, doc- that doctrine along, you're helping to make it grow, you're helping to, to spread it, then you're in a bind. Verse 17, And that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So what is this? If you don't worship him, you're not going to be able to buy or sell, but that's okay. Because God always provides. This is a very short time that this is going on, and everybody kind of gets a little scared about that. What about the 40 years that the Hebrews were wandering in the wilderness? 40 years, and they never went hungry. They never went thirsty. God provided everything. Their clothes didn't even wore out, wear out. They were in good shape. They came out more prosperous than what they went in. So they were great. Verse 18, here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. It's the number of a what? A man. It's the Antichrist. It's Satan, a Polyon, a Babdon, whatever you want to call him, the little horn. And his number is six hundred three score and six. Now, a lot of people make a religion out of trying to study the number and the letters and, oh, where can we, where can we find this and all this other stuff. And, man, it's just a... It's, it's just a, such a mystery. Well, what about this? 666, that's three sixes. You've got the sixth seal in Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. And that's the first occurrence of Satan showing up. There's the sixth trump in Revelation chapter 9, verse 13. And that's the chronological order of Satan showing up at the sixth trump. And then also you have the sixth vial in Revelation chapter 16, verse 12. Well, there's three sixes. There's three order of events, and at each one of those is the appearance of Satan as Antichrist, pretending to be Christ. So he's giving you the answer right there. You look at this number of the man. Look at these three chronological events that we gave you. The seals, the trumps, and the vials. Well, the, the seals aren't in chronological order, but look at the, these numbers that we already have given you in this book, and you see this man at all three of them up here. Now we're going to go to Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. And we're going to get the explanation of what this beast is directly from God. Now God translates this for us. There's no reason that we should ever try to retranslate something that God's already done. Chapter 17, and verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. As fornication, you know, God will use symbolism. And for humans, for us, in the flesh, idolatry, we can't really wrap our head around that. That just, you know, we don't expect anybody to worship us. So then in that same sense, why in the world, how could we ever understand what it was like for someone not to worship us? But idolatry, I mean, um, not idolatry, but fornication and adultery, we can understand that. If you have a mate and they are running around and they are committing adultery behind your back, that hurts real bad. 
So in that same sense, that's the way God feels about whenever we go whoring around with other doctrines, other ideologies. It, it hurts him bad, just as a, as a, as a, sp- a spouse that would be going around, lying around behind your back. Uh, verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Well, now we just read of that, didn't we? All right, here we go. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls having a golden cup in her hand full of, of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. She's just decked out. She looks like royalty, and she's got all the precious things that the world could offer, this flesh world could offer, but she's wicked. Verse 5, And upon her head was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and and abominations of the earth. Now this mystery is not necessarily how we think of mystery in the English language. Like It's not necessarily like a Sherlock Holmes type of mystery. What it means is it's a secret. It's a sacred secret that God will reveal. There have been several mysteries throughout the Bible, and he has revealed them. And this is one, this, this mystery to be revealed is this great city, this mystery Babylon. When, it is, when this comes to being, we will understand. God will give us the answer. He will remove the scales from our eyes that we'll understand exactly what's going on. And that secret will be revealed. Verse 6, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints, and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. This just means he, he just marveled. He just couldn't believe what was going on. An angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and the ten horns. All right, now here we go. We're fixing to find out what these seven heads and ten horns were. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. Well, there's only one son of perdition. And as I said earlier, Ezekiel chapter 28, I believe it's verse 19. I might be off a little bit on that, but I'm pretty sure it's verse 19. We'll tell you that Satan is sentenced to death. What is perdition? That means sentenced to perish. And he's the only entity named that is already sentenced to death. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. So if you, this is how when Christ would say the whole world will whore after her, but for the elect's sake, I will shorten the time. That's why, because for those who were chosen at the foundation of the world, they are the only ones that will be able to stand firm and never bow a knee. Now, there will be many saved out of this by the testimonies of the elect, by the delivering up of the elect to Satan with the Holy Spirit speaking through them. Many will come out of, out of Babylon, out of the confusion that this will bring here. But there will be so many more that won't. Verse 9, And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. The seven mountains. Now, these mountains are like dominions. You think of the world today. We have seven continents. 
This is the world, okay? And there are seven kings. Five are fallen, one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. Now, what are these seven kings? Well, after Israel was founded, the first king to come in and take Jerusalem, after Israel had set up its kingdom, was Babylon. After Babylon, you had Medo-Persia, which was Cyrus. He's the one that allowed the, the southern tribes to leave Babylon and return to Jerusalem. After Cyrus, or Medo-Persia, you have Greece, which is Alexander and his conquests. After Greece, you had Rome. Now, naturally, Rome was there through the crucifixion of Christ and on, on a ways. After them, you have the, the Mohammedans which is those who brought in Islam. And I'm talking about the specific region of, of Jerusalem. Now, since 1948, there have been, it's called the generation of the fig tree. That's when Israel regained control over the, the Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, and regained a nation, basically. They were set back up in 1948. And at that time, Israel and the Mohammedans, or the, the Islam, lived there together. Not peacefully, but they were there together. And you can read in Jeremiah chapter 24 that there is, during this generation of the fig tree, there will be a mixed bucket of, uh, a basket of uh, figs. And some are very, very good, and some are very, very wicked. And that's exactly what we have going on today. And then what is this last one that will continue a short space? It's that system which Antichrist will come in and set up. It's that one world government that's going to control the seven mountains, okay? The seven dominions. It's going to control the world. And it's going to do that, but for just for a short while. Verse 11. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and is of the seven, and goeth into, into perdition. All right, so what that saying is, he and the seventh, he's the eighth head, but he's going to be there with the seventh. So, like, as it just explained in 13, there was the beast, and he had the deadly wound, and the dragon healed him, and then the beast reigned, but he gave the, the power and authority and everything to the, to the dragon. That's what, exactly what that just said. But then the dragon's going to be going into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. Now these are Satan's minions that he's bringing with him. The, he gives these ten kings power during this one hour, this hour of temptation. And they are going to be doing his, just whatever, like I said, they're his minions. They're those fallen angels that are cast out like untimely figs. They've already done it. Once, and now there's more coming. So be ready. But, but hey, you know what? That's not, there's nothing to worry about on that. Because with God, we have the majority. This book of Revelation tells us that we've already won. And many other places. When Christ was crucified, that sealed Satan's fate. He took the keys of death and had victory over him. Verse 13. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. They're doing everything they can to make this system work. They're trying to do everything they can to deceive the whole world. 
And he shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of Lord, lords and the King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Right there, we have the victory. Just sealed up completely. We don't have to worry about a thing. Stay in God's will, and we will be, we'll, oh, it's going it, to it's gonna be exciting times where many people are going to be worrying about it. To be able to understand our Father's prophecies and understand His Word and watch the events unfold, just just like reading, just, just being able to read the future, basically, not like a soothsayer, but just being able to watch the events happen and know that they're coming and be able to recognize when they happen is exciting. Verse 15, And he said unto me, The waters that thou sawest, where the whore sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So the, wat the, the waters are people. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Now what in the world could that be talking about? This whore is this great nation. Not, not this great nation, but is this great city that is just filling the world with adulteries and fornications, meaning idolatries, just spewing this false doctrine everywhere. And these ten horns are going to hate her and make her desolate. Why is that? They work for Satan, and they're going to do everything they can to lead everyone they can to Satan. So spiritually, you would be naked and desolate. And that would just spiritually... Eat the flesh right off of you to turn you into dry bones, just like it talks about in Ezekiel. The way to fix that is to teach the Word of God. And those bones will start coming together, and they'll start moving, and they'll start getting flesh back on them, and they'll start coming right on back, but it's got to be the true Word of God. Verse 17, For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill His will. Whose will? God put in their hearts to fulfill His will. Now you see, it's kind of interesting. The world is just getting evil. If you look around, it just, it just gets more and more evil, it seems, every generation. And as much as Christ would say the first will be last and the last will be first, the first ones to follow Satan will be the last ones through this generation, through this, through this flesh age. That way, when Satan as Antichrist shows back up, he's got that third right here, and God's seeing who's going to follow him again. Let's see if they want to fall for the same old trap. And then at the end of it, walk by the pit and go, Oh, man, we were deceived by that guy? Again? Where were we? To fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. So that pretty well tells you right there. This is going to be a one world, just amazing, peaceful, prosperous, beautiful blasphemous organization. It's going to look just like Christ was here. And the blasphemy, in it, the blaspheme in it is that they'll be saying it is Christ that's here. And it's not. It's Satan. Now, as much as we talked about the mark of the beast, let's go over to Ezekiel. We're going to close in Ezekiel chapter 9. Because everybody gets worried about this mark of the beast... Everybody wants to say it's a microchip or it's a tattoo. 
Before we get into Ezekiel chapter 9, let's just talk about that a second. A tattoo. You know, Hollywood will let you believe, or, or different productions, let me just say it that way, will lead you to believe that if you don't get a tattoo of 666 on your hand or on your forehead, you're going to get your head lobbed off. They're going to send you to the guillotine, and they're just, you're done. Or they're going to get a whole herd of folks over here, and it's just going to be just death and destruction and, and blood and mayhem and torture and beatings and just terrible if you don't have this tattoo or if you don't have this microchip where when you walk down the road, uh, somebody can drive by and see if you worship Satan or if you worship Christ, then you're going to get beat or tortured. Now, come on. Antichrist is the mo Satan. Ezekiel chapter 28 again. Satan was the most beautiful and most wise. He was full of beauty and wisdom, the full pattern. If he's that smart, then why would he be so foolish to tell somebody, if you don't have a tattoo, I'm going to kill you in front of everybody? I'm sorry, but that does not make good sense. Common sense will tell you that that's not the way it's going to be. That mark, as I explained earlier, is going to be if you accept that doctrine and if you do his work, just as the, the nursing mom and the pregnant mom. So, being on the subject of marks, Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 1. He cried also in my ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. Now, this is God talking. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth towards the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. Here they come with their swords. And you remember the sword. The sword of the Lord is his word, is his tongue. And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a rider's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. Now these folks are fixing to go out and do this destruction, but they're going to the brazen altar. They're at the temple here. And the glory of God of Israel was gone up from the cherub, whereupon he was to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with the linen, which had the writer's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto them, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Now we just got through talking about this harlot committing all these fornications and abominations. This place is just at the same time. Even though it's in the Old Testament, this is prophecy. Verse 5, And to the others he said in mine hearing, Go you after him through the city, and smite. Let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women. But come not near any man upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men, which were before the house. So this slaying everybody, they're slaying them with the sword of the Lord. And what that's meaning is that if they are spiritually following Antichrist, then they are spiritually dead. They're marked over to this side. That's where they go. But if they have the mark of God, then that means they're the chosen one. They're, they're one of the ones that were chosen before the foundation of this earth or one who believes the testimony of one of the chosen. 
and have come to the realization that it is Antichrist and are worshiping the true Christ and are not falling for it, they will have that mark of God upon their forehead. And at that point, whenever he says, begin in my sanctuary, that means judgment begins in the pulpit. Wherever there's being any word taught, if it's the word of God, that's great. That's a good judgment. And judgment's not always bad. You have good things that come from it, but then there are the bad things that come from it. If you do good, hey, that's good. You've got rewards waiting. If it's not good, well, you've got punishment waiting. So he's going to begin in the sanctuary, and then he goes to the ancient. Those men who should have been wise, who should have been watching, passing down generation to generation, and keeping an eye on the younger ones. Those who should be in the milk, the meat of the word of God. But instead, maybe they're in the milk. Maybe they never quite got past the salvation message and didn't dig in and understand that Antichrist is coming first with this beast system to deceive the entire world. God bless you. I hope you got something out of this. I hope it made sense to you. And y'all have a great day. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, you can go to our website at www.humansundergrace.com and under the Contact Us page, submit your question. Also, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467, Tatum, Texas 75691. Thank you, and God bless you.